Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast today. I'm joined by Ethan Fuller of Basketball News to discuss how Donovan Mitchell actually fits with the New York Knicks, Quentin Grimes' standout summer league, and why Isaiah Hartenstein is one of the most underrated players in the NBA. All that and more right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. We're now available on all platforms, including on YouTube and, uh, well, just talking to you. I'm Gavin Shell, a play-by-play broadcaster. Uh, Alex is, is off off doing some real work. So I am joined by Ethan Fuller of Basketball News. And, uh, yeah, we touch on a lot of fun topics in a short amount of time. Ethan is absolutely fantastic, so I won't delay the inevitable any longer. Let's get into it with him right now. All right, guys, as promised, we are joined by Ethan Fuller, who covers the Celtics and the NBA at large for basketball news. Ethan, thank you so much for joining me, man. Uh, Initially, I wanted to have you on to talk about Isaiah Hartenstein, but then you went to Summer League, so I was like, oh, cool, we could talk about Summer League. And then all this Donovan Mitchell stuff happened, and now we, we can't lead a podcast any other way but talking about Donovan Mitchell. So I will open up the conversation right here. Mitchell, uh, we just had David Locke on, the uh, voice of the Utah Jazz, and he he qualified Mitchell as a top 15 to 18 player in the NBA. You look at Mitchell's career, right? A historically good young scorer for um, for anyone in NBA history. 28 points per game through five seasons. Uh, that's, I think, one of the five to 10 best marks in league history for someone that young who's played at least 25 games. That being said, arguably the second best guy on a team that never got out of the second round. And the negotiations right now, are the Knicks going to have to give up a lot or are they going to have to give up everything? I will leave this extremely open-ended so you can take it any direction you want. But is Donovan Mitchell worth a King's ransom? The Knicks only get to do this once. They only get to give up all these picks once. Is he worth it as a player? Uh, Well, first of all, thanks so much, Gavin, for having me on. I'm excited. It has definitely been a whirlwind of changing of plans for us as far as what we wanted to talk about. Um, But I think, short answer, I think is yes for Donovan Mitchell. Um, As you said, even the most conservative estimates are that he is a top 25 player. You could could start the baseline there and then get any better. Um, Oh, Ethan, sorry, man. can Can you hear me? Yeah, you just, you froze for like 30 seconds. Yeah, I had seen that you froze too. I don't really know what happened there, but oh, weird. You're, all right, must have just must have just been now. a connection issue. Um, all right, yeah. If you want to just pick up from like the beginning of that answer, that would that be. Great. Okay. I don't know if you heard everything said, but yeah, but basically, just like big picture, is Mitchell worth giving up everything for? Okay, yeah, I heard everything. Um, oh, cool. Okay, I'll, got it. Yeah, I'll start. Um, yeah, well, first off, thanks so much, Kevin, for having me on. Really excited to talk about this. Uh, it's been like you said, kind of a whirlwind of change as far as what we wanted to talk about on here, but Donovan Mitchell, short answer. Yes. I think he is worth kind of consolidating all of your picks and young players to go and get to a certain extent. It sounds like 
from the reports, at least that I've read, that R.J. Barrett would be off the table. I think that's fair. Um, but Donovan Mitchell, even by your most conservative estimate, is a top 25 player. You could you could start there, and depending on how well you feel about him, go go up and narrow down the number. Uh, but yeah, like 25 points per game, easy. Um, even in what was kind of a down year for him from an efficiency perspective last year, easy 25 points per game. I think it hasn't been talked about enough that he has really grown as a playmaker, uh, not not some kind of going to get you A-plus assists per game type of playmaker, but he's really started to see the floor a lot better, um, and that's come with time. He's, he's going to be close to 26 at the start of the NBA season. He's just entering his prime. Um, a lot of people have compared this to the Celtics-Nets trade, I think maybe because you're seeing Danny Ainge in the front office, you think about that. That was very different for me because Garnett and Pierce were somewhere around age 36. I think they were both 36 or around that. that it was just a very – different window of time for the Nets because they were immediately trying to win championship. The Knicks, even if you acquire Mitchell, I think consensus would be you still have to make some other moves or put some other pieces together to actually be in title contention in a pretty competitive Eastern Conference. But I, I think it's a great person to try and go and chase. One, like we said, he's 30, he's 26. Um, he's going to be entering his prime. He's already a proven scorer number one option, everything you could kind of ask for in a person that you're trading picks for. He's historically been mostly healthy. I know that he's kind of balanced some injuries, but again, another trade you want to compare it to. It's not like Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis has had close to 10 years now of kind of rough injury history. Donovan Mitchell, I don't think is quite on that same level, um, but I have seen different kind of packages floating out there. I think our Evan Sidery put something out last night something in the ballpark of Quentin Grimes, Obi Toppin, another young player, um, Evan Fournier and Derek Rose. That's for salary cap purposes. You need to include at least one of them. And I know Mark Stein had reported at least four first round picks um, and pick swaps in there. So that is, that is absolutely a lot. Um, but I think if you can get out of this as New York, keeping RJ Barrett, keeping Jalen Brunson, obviously who you just signed, um, yes, even keeping Julius Randle and adding Donovan Mitchell, that's a really, really strong, ready-to-win-now core that, it, that should at least get you playoff contention for a couple of years. And then I think that makes you feel a lot better about the picks. Yeah, I think I think my read on it is Danny Ainge is ultimately going to prioritize picks over players. I mean, we were talking about it yeah. with David last night. We got 20-something minutes into the episode, and he, he hadn't mentioned Quentin Grimes, and he hadn't mentioned Obi Toppin yet. And I think from a Knicks perspective – even though in a vacuum, obviously, an unprotected Knicks pick is more valuable than any of Obi Top and Emmanuel Quickly or Quinn Grimes, I can see the Knicks prioritizing those players, particularly Grimes and Obi, because I think they are very clean fits around Mitchell, where Emmanuel Quickly, you, you reasonably have some questions. All right, you have Jalen Brunson, you have Donovan Mitchell. Um, even if you think Quickly has the highest ceiling of those three guys, which I've I might argue he would. I think it's an interesting conversation. Um, he is the guy to send off in this trade. Um, ultimately, I think it's going to come down to how many unprotected Knicks picks, uh, the Knicks own picks they're willing to send out just because they have so much more value, obviously, than that Milwaukee pick, the Dallas pick, the Pistons pick, the Wizards pick. Um, and my guess is the number settles somewhere around three. But Ethan, I want to, I want to fast forward a little bit because this is an angle we haven't totally explored. Maybe just because we're Knicks fans and we're pessimistic by nature. I haven't really <laughs> let myself think about the actual possibilities of Donovan Mitchell being on this team. But that's a pretty fun conversation. How do you think he fits with the other core pieces on this Knicks team? To your point, he's a very malleable player, right? As all the best, as or 
I shouldn't say all, but as the majority of the best players in the NBA are um, a fantastic shooter, a strong ball mover, a three level scorer. Um, and I think the good thing is someone like Jalen Brunson is so savvy and also for better or worse used to playing off of someone better than him that he can make that adjustment. RJ Barrett, um, I think it'll be a little bit trickier for him, but of course he's been forced to play off of Julius Randle. And then Randle himself, I think, or I would hope, um, there were rumblings yesterday from Mark Stein that he would potentially be dealt to the Lakers for Russell Westbrook. That's an acknowledgement from the Knicks that Randle just makes zero sense on that kind of team. And if the Knicks could hold on to an OB top and someone who is a much quicker decision maker than Randle, I think can score at a similar pace, but do so much more efficiently while holding onto the ball for far less time. I think he makes a lot more sense in that kind of lineup, but I'm curious for your perspective on it. How does Donovan Mitchell actually fit with the most important guys that the New York Knicks will hopefully retain in this kind of a trade? Yeah, I I think you made a lot of good points. Um, Jalen Brunson, like you said, for better or worse, has kind of gotten a lot of experience playing off of Luka Doncic. And then even before that, as he kind of grew into six man running the bench. So he's, he's very malleable in his own right. I think it was a really smart idea for the Knicks to go out and get him. Um, So I think he fits pretty well with Mitchell. You can spot him up. You can have him be a secondary driver. I think what's fun about the, the trio of Brunson, Mitchell and RJ Barrett is that they're going to be very aggressive. And I know Barrett for better or worse, like hasn't always finished a lot lot of those drives, but he's very aggressive as a driver, which is good. Um, Mitchell, obviously great at getting to the paint. Awesome. Like you said, three level scorer in general. Uh, I think for Barrett, Yes, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge figuring out his usage because you would assume as a young player he's growing and kind of wanting to get more on-ball responsibility. But it might be easier for him to take less pull-up threes, um, get more off the catch. Maybe Mitchell's dishing some to him. So it might be helpful in that way. You mentioned Randall. Definitely is more of a challenge to kind of picture that fit. Whether or not they end up trading him, Randall would definitely take less responsibility on the ball. Um, that's, That's interesting. I think... The larger challenge for me with Mitchell fitting in here is the defense. Um, the In the playoffs, and I don't want – the playoffs have already overshadowed so much of the Mitchell talk that I don't really want it to again, but he was a mess on defense in the playoffs. Um, he's kind of been very hot and cold just as an overall team defender in a lot of his career, and I wonder what that looks like. Um, obviously, you have Tom Thibodeau as a coach. He's going to want to have a good defensive team. And the Knicks kind of, I think, were a little bit underrated on that end, actually, last year. I think they were a better defense than people gave them credit for. But it's it really comes down to, like, what what is your point of attack defense look like if you have Brunson, Mitchell, and R.J. Barrett? Um, is that, is that going to be enough to kind of hold down the forward on the perimeter? Um, you, you got Mitchell Robinson still around, so he's kind of anchoring. Hartenstein, to a certain extent, too, is kind of an anchor defender. Um, but... Yeah, the, the defense for me is a much greater question than the offense because if you put Mitchell in there, he's he's 1A scorer, and I think he's a good enough playmaker that you're getting that that trio of kind of guards and wings involved. Yeah, and I think um, maybe people underrated – I mean, we, we talked about the Knicks defense, like especially the second half of last year was pretty darn good. I think they're top three defense in the NBA post-All-Star mm-hmm. break. And you flip that and you look at what the Jazz's offense was last year for the first – 25 or 30 games of the season. They weren't just the best offense in basketball. They were five points per 100 possessions better than anyone else. And you look at that supporting cast and you look at the supporting cast you'd have in New York. I would take the Knicks supporting cast offensively over yeah. what the Jazz had. I, again, I think Obi Toppin, a real candidate for a breakout season, especially playing with a, a talent like Mitchell, who he hasn't, he hasn't played with anything close to that 
in his NBA career. Um, RJ, presumably, I mean, he's improved every single year. He should take another step forward. Brunson still has room to get better. I'm with you. Offense shouldn't really be a question. Defensively, I think concerns, at least in the regular season, might be a little bit overblown. Just because Thibodeau, I mean, you look at his next tenure, he hasn't had fantastic defensive talent at the guard spots. I mean, you could say Reggie Bullock that first season was really good, if not elite. I don't see any reason why Donovan Mitchell, again, with with proper motivation and, and maybe a little bit less weight on his shoulders offensively relative to what he had on the Jazz, um, I don't see why he can't be a solid defender. I, I don't. I understand why he can't be an elite defender because as as wide as his wingspan is, his standing reach isn't very good. Um, and again, it does. There are like people always talk about attitude as if you can just flip a switch. Like PJ Tucker is PJ Tucker for a reason. That that's a skill, and and who knows if Mitchell has that within him. But I think Brunson can be solid. I think Barrett was much better earlier in his career when he did less offensively and having a little bit less on his shoulders can make him better. And then Mitchell Robinson isn't Rudy Gobert, but he is, I would argue, one of the premier defensive centers in basketball, to your point. With Hartenstein and Jericho Sims, the Knicks have, I think, three guys who can really excel on the defensive end of the floor in that spot. Um, I'll finish up our Mitchell conversation throwing this at you. What do you think the ceiling of a Knicks team with Donovan Mitchell as their best player is? And how realistic do you think it is? Because I, I think this is probably what the Knicks front office is debating as we talk. What is the pathway for them acquiring another star? And, and if you look at it as objectively as I can, I would say for the Knicks to win an NBA championship, Mitchell probably has to be the second best player on that team. How do they find that guy um, once they have Donovan Mitchell? Yeah, that that's a good question. And I, I can't give like a certain answer to it because obviously – with star hunting, with the way trades work in the NBA, there are so many moving parts all the time that season to season, you don't really know who's available and whatnot. But if you look at just this Knicks core that we're kind of assuming will be there next season with Brunson, Mitchell, Barrett, Randall, likely Mitchell Robinson, likely, and then whatever assortment of kind of young players off the bench that they haven't traded. Um, I think, I mean, I think that's a playoff team and, at least is, is a tough out in a series, um, just especially if they're able to click pretty well. Um, like you said, a lot of the young guys taking a leap. I, especially after the summer league, I'm kind of a big buyer in on Jericho Sims. I hope that he stays with the Knicks. I really like him a lot. Um, but like you said, there this is not going to get you past Milwaukee. It's not going to get you past probably Miami's defense, probably not going to get you past Boston just because they're going to keep growing. Um, Philly's going to be tough too with Embiid there and Harden. I would assume putting together a better year than last year. Um, the the East is really deep. It's it's going to be hard to break through. I don't know what star available is the best kind of compliment for Donovan Mitchell right now, just because I I don't I don't know what is attainable on the trade market. But you you're definitely going to need another person. I think the goal with getting Mitchell is you're saying hey we want we want to hit title contention level. We know Mitchell will help us get there in a big way. Let's show other stars, hey, now that we have this one guy, we can put together a successful team that is in the hunt for winning playoff series and at least is a tough out against whatever team. And now that you see that and you see that we still have room to grow with our young players that are left, you want to be a part of this. And obviously, New York, you would assume, is a market that is attractive too. So I think if you're acquiring Mitchell – you you need to hit the ground running with immediate success because that will show other free agents, players available for trade that you're serious about this. And not only are you serious that you can do this because obviously the Knicks, 
uh, at least among fans, like the rep is not great. And I think if you have Mitchell, it can pretty immediately change a lot of things if they go out there and be successful quickly. Yeah, you, it's, it's almost that situation where you got to make the move to even have a chance to make the next move. And then that's exactly, yeah. what makes this a necessity for the New York Knicks. And we'll, we'll see what that package ultimately is. But you brought up Jericho Sims. I want to get to Summer League in just a sec. But uh, first, we will take a quick break, come back. We'll talk Quentin Grimes. We'll talk Jericho Sims. All right, guys, it's that time. Let's talk about my favorite website on the internet, betonline.net. They're your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And betonline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. They are also your best spot. For Donovan Mitchell trade odds, the Knicks are the favorites at one to one. The Heat are at four to one. Celtics seven to one. Nets seven to one. Lakers nine to one. I'm just gonna throw this out there. I wouldn't put money down on anyone but the New York Knicks. I think Donovan Mitchell is going to be a Nick, and as I've made clear over the last few podcasts, I don't see another team that can go and get him. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. All right, we are back with Ethan Fuller of Basketball News. Uh, just wrapped up a great combo on Donovan Mitchell. But Ethan, you, you got to go out to Vegas. You got to enjoy all of summer league. Let me before we get into players, I just want to ask, what was your like favorite like just uh, like moment in Vegas? Did you run into a player? Did you see like oh that's that's Mark Cuban talking to Adrian Wojnarowski? Like like what was what was the single most fun moment for you while you were out there? Oh gosh, uh, so this was my first time at summer league, so I was already extremely excited. Um, it is as hot as advertised. I think it was 114 on one of the one of the days. That was a lot. Um, but summer summer league was amazing. Um, very cool to see all the players around. There were definitely moments where, um, like Shams and Woj were just kind of popping out of the concourse, and you're kind of like, oh, hey, that's cool. Um, and GMs and players. And what was cool is a lot of the a lot of the players are just kind of hanging around in street clothes, and it, and it feels casual. Um, I won't name players just for the sake of their own privacy but i would go out to dinner and a couple tables away there are nba players there just kind of hanging out and it was it was very cool to see the nba for once in the entire year feel kind of close-knit and that everyone's around here just kind of enjoying basketball together um i got the chance to go to uh impact basketball uh, the gym there and kind of see some players work out and get to talk to people there and i learned a lot um it was it was amazing it was a really cool learning experience for me just to see how the NBA community kind of interacts because especially with COVID we haven't gotten to see that as much in recent years so yeah it was awesome I will hopefully be back many many more times um so yeah it was very cool Nice. Yeah, it really, it really does just feel like NBA Disney World. Um, and it was it was Disney World for Knicks fans because uh, the Knicks made the championship game, which they uh, haven't done in the regular season in a while. So that was fun. And of course, uh, Quentin Grimes, uh, I would say, confirmed a lot of the feelings I and many other Knicks fans had about him, that this guy is a bonafide starter and maybe a little bit more in the NBA. And I think it is a particularly interesting time to talk about Quentin Grimes, given that at, at least as far as the reporting has gone, he would be the young piece that the Utah Jazz would most would be most interested in. Now that could be posturing to some extent to try and finagle an extra pick at a Leon Rose. Um, but to me, it makes sense that Utah would, would target him 
primarily in the sense that if you're going to have Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell out of the Knicks three young guys, I'd argue Grimes, you can make a case for Obi, but I'd argue Grimes is the cleanest fit and the one that is most essential to keep given the three and D profile that he has. But Ethan, I'm curious what you thought about his game. Because a lot of people pigeonhole him as, as just a three and D guy, but we saw flashes of more than that in Vegas. Yeah, I was already a fan. First of all, going back now, I would say going back to when they drafted Emmanuel quickly, I've been a huge fan of what the Knicks have done in general with a lot of their late first and early second round picks. Um, Grimes falls right into that. Um, he really impressed me at summer league one. He, he didn't even shoot the ball that well from three in summer league. And that's kind of, that was kind of his signature skill coming out of Houston. Um, he was just so poised and polished, um, made a lot of plays in the pick and roll that I I guess knew he was capable of, but didn't know he was that comfortable doing um, his chemistry specifically with Jericho Sims on a lot of the rolls, a lot of the lobs was really, really cool to watch. Um, he just, he, I, I don't want to say he was too good for summer league. Cause that gets thrown around a lot, but if you were going to pick a guy who you looked at from this summer and were like, Oh, he, he's good. Like he didn't need this anymore. You probably pick Grimes. I would say, um, yeah, he was just so smooth and, Again, like that doesn't even imply. I think he shot close to 31% from three. And we all know he's much more capable of shooting from long range than that. Um, yeah, he was he was really cool. You obviously see the fit with him, even if the Knicks don't get Donovan Mitchell. You kind of understand the fit with him next to drivers like Jalen Brunson and RJ Barrett. Um, I always try to check my own bias because I am very pro starting the young guys as soon as possible. Well, possible, but you Grimes has earned it like I am on that bandwagon of, of start start Quentin Grimes um, he is a plus plus defender um, that's going to help a lot too when the Knicks kind of need that with Barrett and Brunson and if you stuck Grimes there too um, yeah I'm, I'm fully on board with whatever kind of hyperboles you want to say for Quentin Grimes at this point what, what do you think about him attacking off the dribble at this point because obviously that that's sort of the big emphasis for him maybe moving beyond that three and D label and just people saying like, wow, that's, that's just a awesome two-way player. And for me, it was, it was almost reminiscent of what we saw from Emmanuel quickly in last year's summer league, where a guy is such a threat to pull up from not really three point range, but four point range, like 30 feet, even, even further on occasion that defenders get twitchy and Grimes just being an NBA caliber athlete NBA caliber ball handler was just toasting people off the dribble once they started crowding him it, it felt so easy for him to get into the lane to get a guy on his hip and then it, it seemed like people just couldn't recover off of that I still think his finishing package has to improve quite a bit like he looked pretty uncomfortable going to his left hand uh, this was something a friend of the show Presidente pointed out on Twitter like he's he's finishing right-handed on the left-hand side quite a bit so that's certainly an, an area that he can continue to work on, but as someone who, to your point, if he plays with Donovan Mitchell, or even if he just gets to play with Jalen Brunson and RJ Barrett, will get opportunities to attack a scramble defense quite a bit. Do you see him as someone now who can be sort of a secondary creator? And do you see him as someone down the road who, if not uh, a traditional primary, like a solid second option and someone who can create offense from a standstill? Or, or do you think his ceiling is, is more so what we've seen from him so far, where it's like, all right, if the defense is already in motion, he can, he can get into the lane, but if not, he's, he's not going to create something out of thin air. Yeah, I would say I'm probably somewhere between there right now. Again, I, I don't overreact too much to summer league, but 
I, we saw kind of the the full package of what he's able to do when defenses are focused on him. Him attacking closeouts, him attacking aggressive screen coverage because of his ability as a shooter is big. Um, he made a lot of the right plays, like I said, in pick and roll. Um, he, he's a much better kind of decision maker and playmaker than I think I initially gave him credit for. Um, President A was absolutely right. The left-hand finishing is not there. He went to his right hand a lot. That that goes back to Houston. I remember seeing some clips of him kind of not not even deciding to use his left hand at all. Um, and obviously at a certain level, you need to fix that if you're going to be a full at-rim driving threat. Um, but again, Emmanuel quickly is probably the best example of you can survive at least being an aggressive driving threat, even if you can't get all the way to the rim. Quickly has the floater. Um, he can make plays in that short mid-range area. And if, if Grimes is there at that point and can take shots with his right hand when he gets to the right side, that's, that's totally good. So I think um, that was a long-winded way of me saying, I think Grimes is going to thrive when there's one or two guys on the court that at least draw a little bit of defensive attention. I don't think he can be someone who is taking guys out of isolation at the NBA level and just making stuff happen for himself in that sense. I think if there's even a little bit of movement, defenses are still going to be focused on him in addition to a Jalen Brunson and RJ Barrett, Donovan Mitchell. And I think even if that kind of attention is pulled slightly away, he's going to be able to beat guys off the dribble. He's going to be able to pull up. Um, He's got enough there that I think second or third option being aggressive is going to really work for him. Um, So that that's kind of where I'm at on him as a creator. Yeah, I, man, I, I just, I hope they don't give him up for Donovan Mitchell. I'm, I'm excited <laughs> to see him play off of Mitchell, or even if they don't make the trade to your point, I think he can yeah. be, he can surprise a lot of people next year in, in that starting lineup. Uh, a guy who he was consistently getting uh, drop off dimes to Jericho Sims, you noted, and man, Sims is just fun, right? Because we, we already knew like flat out one of the best athletes in the world that's that's taller than six yep. foot ten right you could maybe take that qualifier away and just say flat out one of the best athletes in the world vertically like the guy flies through the air he's a constant danger to concuss himself going up for dunks but now there's more stuff there right he's getting rebounds he's pushing the ball book court we saw him pull out uh like the hezzy step back jimbo in in the uh summer league championship game he missed it pretty badly but i was like whoa he's he's trying that and i guess i mean look that's the whole point of summer league you want that. And I've noted this on the pod before, but I'm seeing ambition from him that I've never seen from a Mitchell Robinson. And to me, that's that's pretty exciting for the Knicks to have an alternate look at that center spot. We're going to get into it in just a second with Isaiah Hartenstein. But I always think there's there's kind of a multiplicative effect when you have multiple bigs who can really pass the basketball. And I would say the Knicks certainly have that in Obi Toppin. They certainly have that now in Hartenstein. And that's not Sims exact archetype, but some of that skillfulness. And and to me, the most important thing, just some of that ambition to play that way, I think could be a really good fit with what else the Knicks have. But but what have you seen from Sims so far? Yeah. I mean, I pretty much agree with everything you said. Um, One, he already has an inherent advantage as a roller, lob threat, dump off guy, just because he is such a ridiculous vertical athlete and is so hard to stop once he gets in the air. Um, That just, sets you up for an advantage right away. And I think um, obviously he's probably, he's not starting caliber right yet, but the minutes that he does get with a guy like Brunson or RJ Barrett, or even, I mean, we saw Grimes in summer league. um, He's going to be such a good off ball player for those types of guys. And I would assume say they don't make a trade Emmanuel quickly too. He should work really well with quickly. Um, And yeah, like there's just 
more flashes of hey he's making the right decision on on a pass um the block the blocks are the blocks are pretty crazy um and yeah like you said even in summer league um him trying some self-creation stuff i don't, I don't think he's ever really going to need to break a lot of that out at the nba level you would kind of assume that he hopefully has a supporting cast of creators and playmakers around him but just seeing him try different things and showing that he has a little bit more in his offensive toolkit than just being a pure dunker and play finisher is pretty cool. Yeah, I'm 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 tantalized. That's the word I would use. I'm tantalized <laughs> by Jericho Sid. All right, uh, let's uh, let's come back and and talk about the reason I originally wanted you on Isaiah Hardy, Steve, as you wrote a fantastic article about him back in March. Uh, yeah, we'll get to that in just a sec on Locked On Knicks. All right, we're back with Ethan one final time. Isaiah Hartenstein. Ethan, man, oh, man, it's been a long journey for us. It's the reason I originally wanted you to come on. Um, I referenced your article about 30 times uh, after the Hartenstein trade because it was chock full of just fantastic numbers about him. But I'll I'll leave it to you to lay out to the people. uh, What makes Isaiah Hartenstein uh, one of the most underrated centers? Heck, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. One of the most underrated players in the entire NBA. Yeah, I'm I'm prepared to follow you up with that. I I'm glad you enjoyed the article. It seems like that that was one of my more well received articles, and I really enjoyed kind of diving into him because he is a very unique and not super well talked about player. Um, Hardenstein is an amazing passer, um, and I think that is going to be very different and fun for Knicks fans to kind of see because Mitchell Robinson, he and Mitchell Robinson are such different players, where. One, they're both rim protectors. Two, they're both, um, at this point, interior threats only. Hartenstein, there's a there's some flashes of him being able to shoot it from long range. I think he shot it pretty well in the G League a couple of years ago with the Vipers. Uh, but that being aside, they're, they're totally just different players. Uh, Hartenstein, I think if I had the numbers right, um, he led all bigs in adjusted assist to pass ratio. Um, quick little stat thing. Um, that number is the percentage of passes that a player throws that become either an assist or free throws. Um, it's not a perfect stat. It's one of my favorites that I like to use for passing. Um, but he led all bigs. He after the All Star break, he surpassed Nikola Nikola Jokic, one of the arguably the best passer in the entire league, and he had a better number in this category. Obviously, I'm not saying he's a better passer than Jokic, but um, that that's just telling you like he makes a lot of really good decisions out of the short roll out of just a standard pick and roll um, from the top of the key, him posting up and driving. His vision is crazy. I think in that article, I put some no look. He's, he's like manipulating the corner defender and throwing no looks to cutters. He, he is unbelievable as a passer. And I hope that he gets the opportunity to show a lot of that in New York. Um, in addition to that. So the, I think the passing for me is the number one marketed strength for Hartenstein. Um Rim protection is very much there. I, I won't list all the numbers I had in the article, but he is contesting a lot of shots. He moves very well inside the paint. Um, among those shots, he's able to block a lot of them. Not a crazy shot blocker like a Mitchell Robinson or a Miles Turner or anything, but he blocks a lot of shots. Um, he's very strong, something around 250 pounds at seven feet, uh, very well built, absorbs contact very well, stays, stays vertical for the most part. Um, he has a lot of fouls, but it's not – to the point of being a liability like a Jaron Jackson Jr. type of situation. Um, it's something you can get away with, especially when he's as effective as he is down low. Um, people have differing opinions on what he can do on the perimeter. I'm a little bit lower on him being able to switch onto speedy guards. Um, I know the Jazz, I think, 
in the game that I watched for the article, they kind of attacked him in switches and were able to beat him off the dribble. Um, Donovan Mitchell, if he's on the Knicks, I guess that changes things. But Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I know some people feel better about him. So I guess it kind of depends on what games you watch, how you feel about him. But um, yeah, overall, the, the pitch with, with Hartenstein is rim protection at an above average, not quite all defense, but very, very good level. Um, extremely, extremely good passing. I think I said um, top five passing big man in the article. I would absolutely say that again right now. Um, strong interior finisher, um, good good size and strength, um, possibly a little untapped shooting potential from long range. We'll have to see what the Knicks are able to do with him there. But that's that's kind of the pitch. And if you can't tell, I think he's a very good player. Yeah, Clippers, uh, 12.3 points per 100 possessions better when he was on the court. Uh, you noted this in your article, but at one point in the season, he was in the 99th percentile in the NBA and contests per 75 possessions, um, 93rd percentile block percentage, 89th percentile in still percentage. There were less than 10 players in the NBA who cleared 2.5% and 1.5% on those marks, respectively. So suffice it to say, very impactful interior defender. And I think that works for the Knicks in that they don't ask Mitchell Robinson as much as he was earlier in his career to defend out on the perimeter. And a lot of what Tibbs likes to do is, is have his big um, sink towards the rim and, and, and play drop. And I think that'll, to your point, fit in well with Hartenstein's skill set. And he is versatile enough to occasionally pop out, or at least the Clippers would use him that way a decent amount. So you, you have a little bit of scheme versatility there. You can always, if, if you play a team where that's more of a necessity, you have Jericho Sims, who I think is, is quite good at that. And as far as I saw in summer league, uh, rarely got beat and certainly never really got embarrassed when he was switching out on the perimeter. And it, it gives the Knicks, uh, oh, maybe maybe they could trade it for a little bit more wing depth, but uh, a, a really rich stockpile of versatile options at the center spot. I'm curious how you feel about his score because what, what the stats painted, I mean, to your point, obviously not a Mitchell Robinson or Jericho Sims type athlete, but still a relatively elite score around the rim. And, and a lot of that was from floater range, right? I mean, he had, he had this nice little push shot that seemed to work really well for him. Yeah, it's kind of a weird looking shot when you watch it, but but it does work. Um, he was very efficient um, in that kind of short to mid-range floater area, um, kind of being able to either do like a quick one-two lefty floater. Um, he's also, I wouldn't call him an elite vertical athlete. Again, like you said, um, like Jericho Sims or anyone, but he's a, he's a solid lob threat roller. Um, again, very tough, well-built, um, large frame, uses it pretty well inside. Not really a post-up footwork kind of will make a lot of plays out of the post player, um, but that's okay, especially if he's going to be lower usage. I think, again, I, I don't want this to take away from the impact of Donovan Mitchell, but if you were to look at the Knicks bench and say quickly, Quentin, Quentin Grimes, hopefully he would start, but he might come off the bench at the beginning. If you're going yeah. quickly, Grimes, Sims and or Toppin and Isaiah Hartenstein, that's that's a really that's a really fun bench um, between the passing and playmaking that quickly and Hartenstein and Grimes take, and then you have the the finishing options there with the Toppin, the Jericho Sims. Um, that it, it would be a really fun bench that I'm excited to see. That the Knicks are going to be really fun to watch regardless of whether they end up making this trade for Donovan Mitchell. But even, even if they don't, um, there are so many reasons to get excited about kind of the deeper aspects of this rotation, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I was going to throw out there. I mean, when Derek Rose was healthy and I mean, even when he wasn't, the, but the combo of Rose quickly and OB specifically, 
has been just about the best three-man combo in the NBA over the last two years. I'd have to pull up the stats on that, but every single one of the lineups featuring those three guys have just been ridiculous. Just quickly, an OB together, generally beat teams by about 10 points per 100 possessions. You add another plus-minus Maven in Hartenstein into that mix. You throw either Grimes or Evan Fournier, who's overqualified for that kind of role, um, onto the bench. It, again, all, all negotiating leverage for Leon Rose. He said, hey, look, we, we could get Donovan Mitchell or we could have the best bench in NBA history. You you, you decide, Danny Ainge. Um, but Ethan, on that exciting note, I will, uh, I'll, I'll let you get on with the rest of your day. But first, uh, can you tell everyone where they can find all your fantastic work? I just want to encourage everyone, if they didn't, after the glowing recommendation I gave the first time around, Definitely check out that Hardenstein article. Uh, one of my favorite uh, basketball articles on a player I read last year. Just so in-depth. Great combination of analysis and clips and stats. Uh, you got it all working, Ethan. But, but where can people find all your great work? Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, as far as NBA stuff, uh, you can find it at basketballnews.com. That's the URL, too. We have a lot of really good stuff. I feel very honored to be a part of a crew that has guys like Alex Kennedy, Nikias Duncan, obviously, is so well regarded his stuff is amazing i read everything he does and try and learn from it um our staff is very cool but you can find my stuff there uh, i've written on hartenstein uh bruce brown was another piece i thought i did a pretty good job on so i would check that out um content's going to be interesting i'm excited to get into some off-season player breakdowns kind of more like some of the stuff that you have appreciated that i've written now that we have some time to chill i would like to dive into film more um feel like i'm learning all the time but yeah uh, basketballnews.com. I also write about Boston high school sports for the globe. Um, I know that's not this target audience, but you can find my stuff there too. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to kind of get into year two of my full on writing with this site. It's going to be very cool. And I feel like summer league is going to really not only propel my own experience being a part of kind of the NBA and journalism industry, but it's made some cool connections and I have some stories in the works. I want, I won't say what they're about, but I'm kind of excited for a couple of the stories I'm going to be able to write out of there. So right, yeah, well, check it out. I'm right there with you, Ethan. I'm excited to see all of it and uh, excited for everyone who tuned in. These we really appreciate it. As always, uh, be sure to like, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. Uh, we're approaching, uh, I think we might be at, or nearly approaching 3000 subscribers on YouTube. So if, if you listen, if you like the show, if you can help us get us there, that would be fantastic. But until next time, this was Locked on Nick. We'll talk to you soon. Peace out.